0: when Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewinder around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewinder up for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewinder up for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade, take the mic. Hello and welcome to a special Tuesday edition of Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock, along with Toronto's own Braden Harrington, who is joining me here on a Tuesday afternoon to discuss Raw from Monday night at the Scotiabank Arena in downtown Toronto. How are you, Braden?
2: Hello. Yeah, uh, I'm good, John. I'm feeling way better than uh, I thought I was going to feel after our crazy night out on the town in Toronto. A, w- a wild
0: night in uh, in downtown Toronto, so wild that Davy uh, couldn't even make it uh, here here this afternoon. He actually he's
2: incapacitated. He is uh, no, actually he's a stronger man than than probably you and you or I. I mean, he had to go to work at like nine in the morning. So I don't know how he did it, but he. I got a message from him right before this uh, show saying, "Don't ever let me drink again." So uh, we'll see how that that works going forward.
0: The two of you and I had very different nights at, at this uh, venue. Very, very different nights.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a fun time. I mean, so obviously uh, we're doing this Tuesday during the day, and you guys usually go live Monday nights, but we are at Raw. We had to have some fun. Shout out Wei Ting, Papa Ting. You were there in spirit, trust me, but we uh, we had a nice little adventure. It was like John Pollock took his kids to Monday Night Raw and had a great time. You were babysitting a little bit. You got in on some antics, but just you tap dance around the line. You were at a good level, and then you just witnessed uh, the BDE. Yeah, let's
0: let's, uh, let, let's explain. Um, I had one beer at RAW, um, which I yeah. I felt uh, I I would buy around for all of us, uh, which, which set me back for for three beers at the Scotia Bank Arena. Uh, Forty six dollars is what it
2: came to. <laughs> that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty good, actually. You would figure it's like. Thirty a can or something like that uh yeah that's pretty ridiculous that was my one Uh, drink
0: at the uh at the show you you took in how many
2: uh at the show i had i think i had the one from you and i think i had like a a cider a little later on but we we were doing some we we know the we know the game it's been a while going to some big wrestling events at a sold out arena here but what was um, the
0: last wwe show you went to
2: wwe show i mean nxt I guess would count. Oh, SummerSlam when they came here, but we went to uh, WrestleMania in New Jersey uh, a few years ago. That was so that, that was p- before SummerSlam. That was before the SummerSlam. So then I guess it was uh, the SummerSlam when they came when they came to Toronto that time. Right. Yeah. This was. But I've been Slam- to a bunch. This is what your first one in a long time.
0: This is my first wrestling show since the Tokyo Dome in 2020.
2: Wow. Damn. I mean. I mean. That's. Yeah, the pandemic definitely messed it up and couldn't I go to these shows. That's why, that's why you were just so excited last night. You were ch- chanting and cheering. You were just having the greatest time because you, were, you, you couldn't have done this for years.
0: I learned so many things uh, sitting next to you two. Uh, the two of you, you and Davey, know so many Lyrics to various wrestlers' theme songs. (laughs) I mean, most I would imagine know like the hook off the top. You guys are like deep into the verses. That I mean, Bianca Belair's theme is going.
2: I uh, never needed you at all. I'm
0: I'm amazed at the the lyrical knowledge that the two of you possessed.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, if you follow the socials, if you're not following Post Wrestling on Twitter, I mean, what are you even doing? But you should be following Post Wrestling on Instagram because. Uh, right before meeting up with you, John, I basically hijacked the post wrestling Instagram and posted a ton of great stories through the night, including us singing some, some songs. I went through them and- this morning. Yeah, you actually did a very good job. I thought I thought doing oh, that. I, I thought thank it was, you very I thought much. It, I thought it was very. Hey, good. you you took part in that too because uh, inadvertently. No, I, I did. Great- I,
0: I had a camera thrust into my face multiple times uh that was that was my extent of my involvement
2: in this no because you 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 created possibly one of the great uh reaction memes of my face so i mean you helped oh that was
0: that was the best
2: (laughs) maybe we'll save that for the 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 segment but i mean so raw
0: ended raw ended and we parted ways but your night continued
2: uh yes yeah 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 uh we met up with some friends uh bovine is a is a fun bar in Toronto we were we were like going to some usual spots but then uh, me and Davey were we we are karaoke fanatics and we really just felt like uh, singing so uh, then we headed to Toby's another fine establishment in the city and then snuck in a song and then went quickly ran back to uh, another bar to meet up with some friends but unfortunately it did not run into uh, EO Sky. Uh, On the streets of Toronto, which um, I'm a little
0: so you left RAW. We got out of there around eleven fifteen, give or take. Yeah, you go to Bovine, which is up on Queen. Yeah, you then go to Toby's, which is up on College. Yeah, you then go to a third place after that.
2: Yeah, wow, and then home. You got to respect the hustle, John. It's it's it was a it was it's not every Monday night that RAW is in Toronto. You got to celebrate accordingly. So. Uh, we did just that, but uh, I am, I am on like my tenth big giant Ultimate Warrior cup of water and my first coffee of the day, so somehow I'm, I'm all right. But I mean, we also you you're acting like you're all Mister Innocent having one beer at the venue, but we made sure to have some some pregame with uh, a few drinks before the show, so we were nice and primed. We up we met it. at
0: Davy's uh at Davy's uh a bar and and he ordered us these. What were they? Margaritas? No, uh, Martinis. Uh,
2: yeah, I think it was like Martini Mondays or something. So therefore, he was like uh, getting these like raspberry. It was a raspberry
0: martini. martini so
2: was- of they were sort. all right. They were okay. You know like they were in yeah. like these little um, tumblers. Yeah. We, you can say that and and we had one or two of those and then we had uh i don't think you took partook in the jMO shots but no uh, no
0: i just watched as you guys um yeah got ready
2: <laughs> got ready for Monday night was, raw how 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 boring was was i as a uh as a uh hang no, on with you two? you're not you're not boring john you were you were just responsible i'm i'm really happy uh you didn't bring your notepad Because I was scared you were going to be the one guy with a notepad writing down what's going on at Raw. But I'm happy you didn't do that.
0: If we had had to do the show right afterwards, I I would have had to.
2: Wow. Because I have been to a Raw with you where you did that
0: yeah I, I I didn't really want to uh, take notes when I knew we were doing the show the next day and that I could easily go back and uh, uh, piece together um, the, the show did, did you watch anything back or you're just going pure
2: off I the did line, actually sure. I did yeah I kind of woke up uh, was kicking around and just kind of put it on in the background and and certain certain segments um, uh, mostly uh, obviously the big news coming out like the the gargano stuff I watched that back and then the uh, the edge match and then actually I did, rewound did you watch, to watch the
0: whole match? on yeah, TV, the Edge and Priest cuz I had yeah. a lot of interesting uh, comparisons from the live version versus what you saw on TV that we will get into. I, th- I thought it was actually really interesting just to watch how that match was presented on television and and what we saw live. So we'll mm-hmm. get, we'll get into that as well. We'll also take uh super chats if you've got any in the chat room. We'll uh, we'll go to that at the end as well as feedback at forum.postwrestling.com. But just a quick heads up that uh tonight Braden will be back live with Davey Portman. They're going to be live minutes after NXT goes off the air at twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. Your go-to for your review of NXT 2.0 tonight. Yeah,
2: I mean... Last week's Heat Wave show. Huge. Biggest NXT 2.0 match ever in history is happening tonight because it is Wendy Chu, Tiffany Stratton, one last time in a lights-out match. And it's not like a lights out match that we may you may know. It's an actual, no, it's a, it literally lights, lights out. <laughs> out match. So yeah, uh, we'll be, it's gonna we're going to be, be a, start- like a
0: gathering of the juggalos where they all just like turn their lighters on. Is, is this what
2: what's going to be like at the <laughs> yeah. performance center? Well, Wendy Chu wore Randy Orton's night vision goggles last week, so maybe we might be seeing those pop up again. But yeah, we're gonna be we, we go live after NXT every Tuesday on our YouTube and our Twitch, and then the, the audio goes up on our feed after. But we're gonna start kind of following in your footsteps and just going live pretty much right as the uh, the show goes off the air. So around 1005, 1006 probably uh is when we'll be going live with that. But yeah, fun stuff.
0: Well, I w- I will be listening along and uh look look forward to hearing from you and Davey. Wednesday night, Bruce Lord will be with me on Rewind to Dynamite as we will be going through the show from Cleveland featuring the uh the heavily hyped up match between CM Punk and John Moxley. Uh, also John Cena will be dropping Shot in the Dark on Wednesday. If there's too much wrestling out there for you, John Cena's got you covered in 15 minutes or less. Thursday, it's episode two of She-Hulk that W.H. Park and Rich Fan are reviewing for patrons on MCU later. And then we've got Rewind to SmackDown Friday, WrestleNomics this weekend, and then next week, it's going to be a packed one, okay? we're We're purposely having this kind of in-between week between the G1 and next week because we've got multiple pay-per-views, Labor Day weekend, multiple specials from the WWE. So we can announce now that on the Sunday night, September 4th, the All Out post show. I am going to be manning the ship, but I need some help. So Braden Harrington and Davey Portman are going to be joining me to review both NXT Worlds Collide and All Out. And we will have a fourth chair ready as well for that review on Sunday night. Yes. With All Out. It will be the four corners of post. The four posts themselves all coming together. Uh, with waiting as well. So that will be a special Sunday night show. Uh, we're, we're going to do a separate show on Saturday, uh, reviewing Clash at the Castle. And then Sunday we'll do one big post show, um, that will be free for everybody going through All Out and Worlds Collide. So I'll, i look forward to that because our worlds will collide.
2: Yeah. I mean, John, that sounds like so much fun. I mean, we, we love doing this podcast stuff and that All Out it should be the biggest show of the year. A lot of like it's just everyone looking forward to it. And now I get to hang out with you guys and do a show that makes it even so much more fun. And the return of Papa Ting. I mean, what what else could you, could you ask for? But I mean, we're going to be doing a little bit of Worlds Collide NXT talk on that show, which gives me and Davy some time to maybe bring back something that some listeners have been asking for. And that is we are going to be doing a NXT Worlds Collide watch-along. returning that Sunday, and then later that night, we'll be hanging out with you chatting all about All Out. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be a crazy, crazy weekend of some wrestling and some podcasting.
0: Yeah, because the Worlds Collide show will start at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and then the buy-in for AEW will be 7, so it's about... It's going to be a lot of hours of wrestling and I'm imagining we're not going to be going live till around midnight that night. So we are all going to be exhausted after uh, watching all of that and we will have you all covered if you are not watching everything on that particular Sunday evening. But that's getting uh, way ahead of ourselves. Let's go through a few news items before we talk about uh, both the live and televised edition of Raw from uh, Monday night in Toronto. Um, Pwinsider.com's Mike Johnson reporting that Road Dog is returning as a VP of live events in WWE, so someone that, of course, very much linked to the uh, the Paul Levesque regime uh, back in the company. Now, uh, it seems like this is a separate story, but uh, Jeff Jarrett has also left his role as SVP of Live Events, and Mike Johnson did note this is not a case of Road Dog replacing Jarrett. But uh, what do you think, Braden, about just Road Dog? This is obviously someone that was very much linked to uh, Paul Levesque's team and being back here, um, but this is not a. This is not a lead writer job or a producer job, but rather a VP role of live events. Can you see him sort of being um, thrust into other areas?
2: Yeah, I mean, he he did a lot in the past while. And then when he disappeared, you saw him putting tweets out as if he was trying to lobby for a job somewhere else. But now in in like what looks as – I mean, you had to clarify that he's not taking Jeff Jarrett's role. To me, it's a clear – Thing, that Jeff Jarrett was just lip syncing the whole time and the road he's going to slip back in and take his spot once again to show he was the true star all along. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I, I'm interested to see if he you know can do any good so far the past few weeks. Looks like WWE's doing some right things, but I think a lot of people were kind of interested in this whole Jeff Jarrett working alongside Triple H with this TNA kind of WWE thing. But now that's already uh, gone.
0: Any idea where, where you could see Jarrett landing after this? I mean, this is a guy that's had, uh, a thousand and one lives in professional wrestling, but yeah. he's also coming off. I mean, he was, you know, he was all over SummerSlam. He was a big part of Ric Flair's last match and just, you know, he, he's got his hands in, in so many different projects. I imagine this guy is not going to be, uh, l- looking to fill up more hours of a day, but I'm very curious what, uh, comes next. Um, and, 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 and what he does after this, because there, there was quite the, uh, focus on him over this last month with everything on camera
2: is he is he still part of the bullet club technically he could just go you know go, i don't think he was ever kicked out was he i don't know, he could still go bullet back club is for
0: that. life yes <laughs> exactly there's, there's always that option yes uh, SmackDown and Rampage numbers from Friday night. Uh, we had SmackDown, uh, 2,084,000 viewers. So they were number one on television, up 8% from the week before, 0.47 in the demo. Uh, like last week, they were preempted in several markets due to the NFL preseason, but not as many as last week. Um, so they, they were up this week. Uh, in Canada, they did a phenomenal number. They did over 219,000 viewers. I believe their highest, their most watched SmackDown since, uh, the weekend of WrestleMania for that Friday. Friday, uh, going into WrestleMania weekend. Rampage, on the other hand, four hundred sixty-one thousand viewers, falling thirteen percent, and a point one two in the demo, a drop of twenty-nine percent. Uh, they were going against an NFL preseason game, uh, but a big loss in males, eighteen to forty-nine. Um, but that was offset. Uh, 18 to 34 we, was stable. Um, young males were actually up uh, a decent amount, but, uh, some big losses among men 18 to 49 and adults 25 to 54. And it's sort of j- rampage feels to me, Braden, that overall the trajectory is going down, but they have these blips every few weeks where something, you know, gives it a bit of a shot in the arm, but. Overall, I think it's just over time, this has been painted as a secondary show. I mean, that is very, very clear. But at at the same time, it's like sometimes something will spike it. But overall, this does not feel like this is must-watch television. And we kind of have this conversation each week about Rampage and and where it is. Um, And and I don't know if you necessarily change it all all that much that – you know, Dynamite is their priority show and all the major key points that you need as an AEW viewer are contained in those two hours. Rampage is supplementary programming.
2: Yeah, it's definitely something that I don't watch every week. Like I choose to check it out if I know there's like matches that they've announced. Like when they go, hey, Bucks and Lucha Bros are going to have the match. OK, of course, I'm going to tune in and, and watch that. Probably not on Friday night. That isn't a tough spot. It is summertime. People are going out. But I mean, they got they want to bump those numbers up those are rookie numbers just keep put, putting tony niece back on rampage because it seems like that's his show lately but i think they could use that show in a secondary way to almost like if it wasn't friday night if they were to change it to like more of a sunday night heat kind of thing therefore it's almost like every week you have some segments promoting what's going on you air more of your uh what are those like promos the the matches the things they make for the each match like the road to you could add more of that aspect you could could have one or two matches but it is when you put in all these like non big names that definitely aren't like going to be popping these numbers but i do think they could do a bit more of making that show uh, stand out a little different because right now it, it just feels like the b or c show that a lot of people are, just don't check out but they do have some good matches on there when you cherry pick it
0: If you were to add another Ring of Honor program, like what, how much interest would you be having in like a one-hour ROH show weekly? Would that be something you'd be going out of your way to see, or would you see your viewing habits of that similar to Rampage, where it would be something that catches your eye that you go out of your way to see, but it's not going to be appointment television?
2: Yeah, I mean NXT UK is resting in peace for right now, so John Cena in for Shot in the Dark doesn't have to review that but then here we hear talks of a new ring of honor show so then he just we lose one and then we pick one right back up a ring of honor show sounds weird considering this show seems like they're struggling to find exactly what it is so i feel like it could almost be the the same show if you wanted rampage to kind of be the the other brand you could do like the brand split like that kind of thing but i do think if you were to go hey this this week on ring of honor Samoa Joe is going to face such and such. It's like, all right, maybe there'll be some viewers, but I don't think it'll be anything higher or bigger than a rampage has been like it. it, There, there needs to be some sort of change in how they, they do these secondary shows, but I mean, Hey, more wrestling is great, right?
0: Well, that's, that's the ecosystem we live in. It's always more, more, more. And new Japan has more to announce. Uh, so their next tour starts September the 2nd, and this is going to feature, um, a limited return to cheering crowds for the, uh, fifth and sixth shows at Core Q and Hall. And then it, this whole tour leads up to September 25th in Kobe. Top title matches on that show will be Will Ospreay against David Finley in a rematch from the G1 for the U.S. title. Carl Anderson against Hiroshi Tanahashi for the never openweight title and Francesco Akira and TJP defending the junior heavyweight tag titles against Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wato. And October will see Declaration of Power taking place October 10th at, uh, Sumo Hall with Jay White and Tamatonga for the IWGP World Heavyweight Title, and a rematch between Kazuchika Okada and Jonah. Uh, both of those rematches from the G1 as well. So they are stacking up their, their tour. And earlier today, there was a press conference with New Japan and Stardom announcing several of the matches for their crossover event, which doesn't take place until November twentieth. But they have announced uh, the finals of the IWGP Women's Title Tournament. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Utami Hayashta taking on Hiroki Goto and Micah. Tom Lawler and Shuri against Zack Sabre Jr. and Julia, which is a very interesting tag. Yeah, that that one has my attention for sure. That one looks hype. And Taichi, Yoshinobu Kenamaro, Tom Nakano, and Nat against El Desperado, Doki, Momo Watanabe, and Starlight Kid. So that, that's gonna be a show that I think has a lot of interest once we get to November, um, with, with the two companies, you know, doing, doing mixed tags and also the finals of this women's tournament match. So that's a long ways down the road, but an interesting show, and they're starting to get the, the match announcements out there.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of cool that they they're kind of getting the wheels in motion. I could see that being more of a touring thing, and and it would help get that that over to some of the American audiences because I think over the pandemic, a lot and a lot more people started getting into uh, a lot of different wrestling because of the streaming services like Stardom and all that stuff. So finally, kind of being able to to tour out there and having like the crossover matches with the New Japan talent, even that is is pretty is pretty sweet. So some of those matches sound pretty awesome. And I can see them doing more shows down the line in the next year.
0: Yeah, I think that you'll see these being a, a staple, especially for the, the U.S. shows that, that you see a lot of the talent from from both uh, appearing. So all your news can be found at post Andrew Thompson on top of everything today. And he's got an interview out with uh, Camille from the N.W.A. So go check that out now. Andrew Thompson interviews on YouTube and there's a written portion up on the site. But that takes us to Raw in Toronto, sold out at the Scotiabank Arena. Um, it looked to be just under 14,000 was the real number, but on TV they gave out, uh, 16,683. So, you know, just inflate those tires, uh, r- regardless. Uh, so, but I mean, dude, this place was packed and, more importantly watching this on television they shot this like there were that many people in it like they had the the jib camera out it was like they really shot this crowd well that it felt like man this is a packed big major league arena that was here like it felt like a hot product just seeing oh yeah you know the production and how they lit the crowd because sometimes we'll see shows where they've got like a strong amount of people there but it's not shot in the way where you would really truly appreciate how many people are there but not, not the case here. It looked really good on
2: television. It was packed. It was as packed as the last time I was there for wrestling. And it was like everyone's going off, cheering. Everyone's just having a good time. It's the first big wrestling show in this city since, like, the pandemic. Everyone was ready. It, and, like, tickets, if you looked, trying to get tickets right before the show or whatever, it was jam sold out. Every seat. So uh, I was pretty impressed and kind of, like, happy to kind of see people just be excited to watch some, some Raw. Yeah, they did do the, the, the,
0: house show back in December. But if you remember, that was the week that you were getting all the COVID cases coming back. Mm-hmm. And it was really kind of, t- uh, t- touch and go, um, that, that particular week, as I recall. Um. They have also announced a return for December 30th uh, that they'll be coming back here at the Coca-Cola Coliseum, which is the same venue AEW's running back-to-back nights in October. So they started the show uh, with this chaotic brawl between Riddle and Rollins in the back, and they make their way into the crowd. They tease going off the balcony, and then Riddle dives off the guardrail, and everyone gets taken down. There's a big pull-apart, and... Yeah, this was our start to the show, kind of grabbing everyone's attention. And next week, they will have a face-to-face confrontation as opposed to what this was.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it's got the crowd hot to see both these guys just kind of fighting through the crowd, especially in the, the sections they were in. And I, the only disappointment was that they did tease him jumping off some sort of the crowd thing. So I was ready for that. But uh, I think it was all right to start. Whenever you got people get a pull apart, it usually gets people pretty hyped.
0: The show proper began with Trish Stratus coming out. Strong reception for her. She said it felt good to be home here in this ring. The crowd is chanting one more match and she said that she's been thinking. But before she can reveal her thoughts, Bailey, Dakota Kai and EO Sky come out and Bailey is mocking her stating they're all big fans. EO says she's her number one fan. But Bailey asks, what are you doing here, Trish? And she mentions being here for Edge's big match. And clearly, these three are not Canadians because they were rude in interrupting her when she had something to say. EO now does a 180. She doesn't like her at all. And Bailey says that you rode our coattails at the house shows all weekend, which I I thought was interesting, the fact that they brought up, you know, house shows in in a promo here. Just a small line, but just the... The, uh, and the note that they exist is just something that we rarely even hear. The fact that, hey, if you went to a house show over the weekend in Ontario, Trish Stratus was on those house shows. So she says Trish is the past. They are the now. And that prompts Bianca Belair to come out. And I had never learned all the words of Bianca Belair's theme and Brayden um, – uh, volunteered them to towards me.
2: <laughs> I never needed you at all. I love that song. It's, it's a pretty good one for like they, they would never get rid of that one because it fits her really well. But yeah, yeah. you got to do the dance while you do it. Also, you got to do the, the spinning. Well, as Davey you was have doing a, the dance. Yeah, yes. we do that. We pretend as if we have the long hair to do the dance with. So uh, it, it goes hand in hand.
0: Yeah. I mean, is there
2: any other way to do it than that? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I, I there's also EO Shirai's or sorry, EO Sky's theme which I think you could do like the Harlem shake to, or or floss to, which goes really well. There's no lyrics in that to sing though. So Bianca joins
0: in and says, Bailey isn't even in the same stratosphere as Trish. There would be no Bailey without Trish puts her over, says, this is her city, but Trish can defend herself. And Trish teases coming out of retirement. She's like, listen, I don't hold any, any reverence towards these wrestling retirements. I'm ready. And Bailey teases going at it, but says, Hey, it's three on two. So outcome Asuka and Alexa Bliss. It's now four on three. And then Trish just calls, uh, they just wish them luck in the tag tournament and we go to the tag match that they had always announced. So they, they really yeah. did the tease here that Trish was going to wrestle. And then it was, nah, we're, we're good.
2: Yeah. That was quite odd. Uh, I, I, You'll hear, I really enjoyed this show, but this was the one head scratching moment. Whenever T- WWE comes to Toronto for the past, since she retired basically in 06, Trish has always been that like easy card they can just pull out to be like, Oh, we're in Toronto. Okay. Bring Trish out. Like it's been such a thing. And to hear to now kind of tease twice in this segment that, okay, well, I'll fight you and I'll, you know, retirement, this retirement that it's like, okay, is she wrestling tonight? And, and then she didn't. And they even tease it later on that she would, like, want to fight someone. So it was just really odd that they didn't even mention this tag match in this whole segment and then just quickly go to it. So kind of kind of a weird segment, even though all people involved I am a fan of.
0: It, it led me to remember – did you go to the Unforgiven when she did the retirement? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a great – the sharpshooter, yeah, where she was crying. So that was like the whole pay-per-view. It's like the major thing coming out of that was, you know, Trisha's retirement. Mm-hmm. She was 30. She was 30 when she did like wow. her retirement Get match. Get out of here. Like, I did like, not know crazy. that. That's crazy. Could you imagine wow. that? Like, look at how many people on this roster are over the age of 30 that you would not – like, it's
2: just uh, – it's kind of wild when you – Wow. You I did not – know. I didn't realize she was 30. That's crazy. Yes. She, wow. she did
0: that match and then we got her to come on the law like an hour after the pay-per-view to, uh, nice. to, to do, uh, an interview right afterward. So we get EO sky and Dakota Kai against Oscar and Alexa bliss in the semifinals of the women's tag tournament. And they gave the update here. Gigi Dolan is hurt. So her and JC Jane are out and they're going to do a fatal four-way second chance match involving the four teams that did not uh, advance in the tournament to determine who faces Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. And I took it. They're doing that semifinal match as well on Friday because they're plugging the finals for next Monday in Pittsburgh. So that's
2: and- where we are. This just this whole tournament is a little confusing because uh, for for me, just because I don't usually watch Raw, but Raw's now the best show going in the world of wrestling. But I'm thinking the the tag tournament seems like a bit of a mess with some of these like injuries and things because I see Shawn Michaels cutting a promo saying, "Hey, these people are going to be in the tournament," and then Toxic Traction win a match, and then Gigi's injured, so now there's like a last chance thing. It kind of seems like it's a little a little cursed from the the get go.
0: Yeah, kind of the, the NXT portion of the bracket has kind of just led to all these, uh, these issues of replacements and such. Yeah. So they, they will go with one of these teams and, uh, they will face the, the winner of this match. So it starts off, uh, Oscar's calling Io a chicken. So you got to see, uh, Oscar and EO Sky involved here. Yeah. Thoughts I like- mean.
2: Yeah, I, I was telling you yesterday, John, uh, when they when they kind of went face-to-face in this match, I'm like, hey, I don't think the, these two have interacted in WWE considering EO just was brought up recently at the last show at SummerSlam. So, uh, I mean, for me, when they announced Raw a few weeks ago, they've been promoting it for this venue, they have been saying, hey, EO Sky is going to be wrestling. And I've mentioned on many shows, like she's she's one of my all-time favorites. So I was, I was really excited to kind of see EO and, and Asuka. And we got a little bit of them kind of, messing around in this match but clearly not enough but down the line i mean that's a huge singles match that would definitely have my attention but yeah i was i was excited to see them some lock up
0: Throughout the match, there were uh, cutaways to the back of uh, Tamina and Dana Brooke, as well as Aaliyah standing alongside Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. Uh, we, we saw a big hot tag to Asuka, hip attack, sending Kai off the apron and then delivering the spinning back fists and a released German before a sliding knee. Uh, then there was a springboard missile drop kick by Sky onto Asuka. Kai is in with the Scorpion kick and then a running boot to Asuka for a two count on Kai. Bliss then lands double DDTs and Asuka uses a submission on Kai. Kai breaks it and we get a twisted Bliss. Asuka tags, lands a head kick, a bunch of spinning back fists, uh, several of which uh, did not appear to connect. And then Kai is in the Asuka lock, but she is not the legal woman and it allows Io to come from behind with a roll up on Asuka, pinning her in 18 minutes and 37 seconds. This was the second longest match on the show and it's just I always have this complaint about sort of the momentum that gets lost on a lot of these television matches with the commercial breaks but that to me was evident watching these back like it really is a disconnect when you take an 18 minute match and you insert two commercial breaks into them and that would be the same format we'd see for Edge and Damian Priest later
2: Yeah, it's like, I've been to a few AEW shows now, and obviously when you watch at home, they do P&P, and you you see like tables and blood and fire and destroyers in in picture-in-picture for that show, but WWE watching raw yesterday it felt very every match you we would turn to each other and be able would be like okay we knew every commercial
0: break break and the ones that we said in person like watching it back it was like we were like bang on like we were dead on it was just it's very evident when they're at the commercial but it's still watching it live you like there's just more of a flow uh as opposed to going to the break and back uh that said like this match like there were some like uh issues with it but overall i thought maybe a bit too long but I i didn't enjoyed the, the EO stuff with Oscar I thought Oscar looked really strong in, in this match save for uh some of these back fists that were uh not all connected but it was uh not really a detriment either
2: didn't get all of it no I, I again I loved EO entangling with Oscar and I loved EO is the one who pinned Oscar so a I got to hear the theme song and B that easily like goes to you could lead that to the match that we all sure. kind of want to see so uh, I I don't think they should. Get, I don't think they should. I hope something that changes in this whole new regime is the the matches that happen on Raw or SmackDown, and then they rematch it on Raw and SmackDown all the time for two years straight, and then eventually go, hey, here there's here's them at a pay per view, when we've seen it now like a bunch of times. Whereas like if you kind of, kind of keep that dream match aspect kind of there. It could lead to something pretty big because now my attention is, okay. when are you going to do this match? But knowing them, they could also just throw it on TV the next while. But uh, really, really, I didn't realize this match went 18 minutes long, but I really got into EO getting the win on Asuka. So EO Sky continues to get me high.
0: Kevin Patrick interviewed Dolph Ziggler. He's had a lot of highs and lows here in this company. But Theory was the better man last week. And Finn Balor walks in saying he makes him sick. You're just like Edge and Ray, attaching yourself to younger stars to stay relevant. And you can't teach me anything. Ziggler comes back with a great line saying, aren't we the same age? (laughs) Which he's pretty much calling out Balor for the same thing. And slaps him and then tells Balor, are you going to sit there like a little bitch? Or come fight. And that takes us to Dolph Ziggler against Finn Balor. a uh, whole new entrance and music for Finn Balor. And, uh, wh- what did you think of the whole Balor presentation here?
2: Yeah. Uh, am I crazy or is the, the Judgment Day themes, their old themes, but like slowed down and like remixed or something, something like That's- that? That might
0: be it. I, I I don't know. I really can't tell if you yeah, played the Judgment Day theme for me. I could I could never identify it
2: for you. It's really weird because Finn Balor's theme song and entrance is pretty like pretty good and gets over and people do the pose and the chant. I guess I but know they probably don't like, want that. Yeah, but like still, you could still do it. I think you could make it even more of a thing. Like like when the fiend was doing his entrance, everyone thought it was the coolest thing, even though he was supposed to be like a bad guy, murder psycho clown thing. Finn Balor, I, the music definitely didn't hit as. It definitely is like, oh, that doesn't sound as good as some of the other themes. I do hope with uh, some of the, the wrestlers coming back that maybe we get some of their old themes. But this one, uh, maybe it's because I only heard it this one time, but it was kind of weird. Jimmy Smith uh, was
0: referencing golf's match with Theory last week, calling Theory the young buck noting his physical talent and their epic match last week. That uh, very loose definition of the term epic, uh, but said there's no shame in losing the theory last week. Ziggler takes the, uh, the Bret Hart sternum first bump into the buckle. Uh, they go through a break. Uh, the Famouser gets turned into a sit out power by Balor for a two count. And then Ziggler stops the shotgun dropkick with one of his own jumping DDT avoids the 1916. And he hits a Famouser for a big near fall. Then the shotgun, uh, Dropkick is hit by Balor. He misses the coup de grace and lands, uh, gets hit with the zigzag for another big near fall that the audience bit on really strong crowd here. The crowd is chanting with Ziggler, which was qu- quite the feat and Ziggler lands a headbutt. And then Rhea just nails him with a forearm from the apron that the referee doesn't see leading to 1916 and the coup de grace as Finn Balor wins in 13 minutes and five seconds. So I, I know you're not watching, you know, t- the TV every week, but Some of the hallmarks that you can isolate from this past month, Brayden, are they're putting together, by and large, matches that come across a lot better. Like they're matching people together that are going to produce better quality matches. They seem to have a lot more uh, leeway when it comes to big dramatic near falls to build up at the end of the match. And it also feels like if they put together a great match, they are not shy in doing kind of these kind of wonky finishes that, that we get like you get a great match and then you get like in the opening tag we we sort of had like the the who's the legal partner uh, finish with the roll up in this one it's like the interference but I mean the audience really got into this match and I, and I thought the match was very strong between these two
2: yeah honestly uh, the wrestling on this show was really good but this definitely had my attention as soon as that backstage segment I, I was thinking I'm like what year is it Ziggler and Finn are having a feud right now and they're gonna fight okay but also, I know both of them are some of the best wrestlers on the roster. So actually, was kind of excited. And you mentioned some of those near falls. It was exactly that zigzag. The whole place was like believing Ziggler was beating Finn here. Uh, I I really enjoyed this match. I, I mean, ca- call me crazy. I really enjoyed this whole show. But the re- I like wrestling for wrestling. And uh, so far, I got two matches that had some some pretty good content within it. But I thought it was a, a strong strong raw match. And I think it was at the time I was like, wow, it's going to be pretty hard for someone to top this tonight. Uh, But it, but it was
0: Sarah Schreiber interviewed Toronto's own Aaliyah, who is the bougie badass and says that Raquel is a beast. There was no Raquel on this show in Toronto oh. and Bailey and company enter and asks if she was taking notes earlier and asks where Raquel is. Aaliyah says, it's none of your business. And she was brave to show up all by herself. And then Trish walks in backing up Aaliyah and asks, Bailey, when are you returning to action? And Bailey should have answered at the house show you were at over the weekend. Uh, but that does not exist in this case. So house shows, we're only going to go so far in terms of like yeah. their, their actual existence. And this sets up Bailey's first televised match since her return and uh, first match on television since June of 2021 against Aaliyah. And also they had this running thread in the background with Pierce, uh, with security and monitoring the doors. And this would lead into our, uh, our kidnapping angle later in the show.
2: Yeah, again I, I did actually. You just reminded me that there was uh, there's attempted kidnappings a lot on this this show. Uh, I loved this is how I thought they were teasing Trish again. They're like we already had a segment where she was like I'm going to wrestle, but I'm not going to wrestle. Oh, I might wrestle. No, just kidding. I'm not. And then she shows up to be like, "Hey Bailey, you don't wrestle anymore. Do you want to wrestle me?" But actually, do you want to wrestle Leah? And then it's yeah. like, "Oh, okay. You really really did the you tried to pull the bait and switch on us again and uh no one knew aliyah was from toronto until they go Toronto zone and then everyone's like oh okay cool we'll cheer you and then uh the cheers slowly faded away
0: yeah i mean it's like she's billed for, from toronto like they mention it but i i'm with you i would imagine that 75% of this crowd would have no idea. I, I'm sure a lot of people watching this are not even that familiar with, with Aaliyah. Like, it's yeah. not like a, a big player on
2: SmackDown. Rock the boat.
0: Alpha Academy come out for their open challenge, and Chad Gable says that they are accepting new students, and they've been scouting here in Canada, but all they found are toothless ex-hockey players hooked on Tim Hortons.
2: Uh, as you hold up your
0: Timmies. Were you Inside. offended by this? Uh No. No, I wasn't. I thought, I thought it was a great line. It was, it was good. He said that the Leafs lost an ice hockey game to Tampa. They don't even have ice in Tampa. There's no talent here in Canada. This led to a Go Leafs Go Chant and says that all he hears about is some geek named Austin Matthews, but he's American and he has no talent and he calls out any civilian ex athlete or fighter to face him and answering the challenge is Kevin Owens. And this place went nuts. This was set up really well, but Chad Gables promo. And what I, I liked about this too, Braden is that they could have gone for an easy pop of somebody like as a surprise, someone that just comes out and you get the surprise pop, but instead it was like a guy they're pushing. It's a main roster guy. And he felt like a big star coming out here representing Canada. And you know, he was just a giant baby face on the show.
2: Yeah. I mean, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, he's been running the Canadian market, been one of the big Canadian stars in the past few years. So the place went ac- absolutely nuts. But on top of that, I mean, it's so easy in wrestling to make fun of local sports teams. But, like, if you know Toronto, like, the people here, we we bleed Maple Leafs. Everything is Maple Leafs. So it, making fun of Austin Matthews I thought was pretty good. Austin 316 – uh, but then the the line about the fighter clearly we're like okay prize fighters coming out but the place just went unglued for this uh, ko entrance but i love uh, chad gable i think he is finally being utilized the right way in the past little while watching him back on nxt everything he was given he got over i feel like down the line you could have a almost Daniel Bryan-esque run for Chad Gable, and and something to do with the Diamond Mine could eventually, or Damon Kemper, whoever, could also tangle up there. But he he is a fantastic wrestler, because you'll get into this match that I loved. But I thought this promo had the whole place just heated. Again, make it fun of the league.
0: It just set the table for the big pop of Owens yeah, coming out. It like was it good. Was, it was really well done.
2: Shoosh, the whole place The whole place, uh, the corridors of the venue where everyone was chanting, Shoosh! When he was doing it. So Owens goes to grab him by his cauliflower ear. And
0: Gable rolls away, avoiding a cannonball, and he hits Owens with a suplex on the floor. Uh, Owens, they go onto the edge of the apron, and Owens takes a back body drop, and then a released German on the edge to set up the commercial break. We come back. Gable hits a series of rolling Germans. Then Owens hits one of his own before connecting with the cannonball. Owens hits a frog splash for a two-count. The stunner gets stopped. And then Gable with a bridging German. Dude, he just dumps Owens on his neck here. I mean, this was – uh, this looked – uh, this was like awesome. a ton of fun Gable hits a diving headbutt off the top and then Owen stops the superplex fisherman buster swanton lands on the knees and Gable pops up to the top lands on his feet from the moonsault eats the super kick and a pop-up powerbomb Owens wins in 11 minutes and nine seconds very strong television match I thought this was um, this is like a great usage of Chad Gable like he's sort of at a level but you let him get some mic time and then Eleven minutes on TV with with someone at the level of a, a Kevin Owens like these two worked together really well. This was another very good match.
2: I know. I, again, I was I thought I was going crazy. I was like, wow, I'm really enjoying Monday Night Raw because this match was was great as well. There was so many German suplexes, the trading, the trade off, uh, the the diving headbutt from Gable as well was pretty sweet. Uh, and then I, I actually I, I like I said I kind of watched back some of the matches. I pulled this match up just before we were going live and. In the match, when it starts, you could hear Owens with, you mentioned the cauliflower ear thing when he grabbed him. It's just so funny. I, I thought this was pretty good. And again, I think Chad Gable's pretty underrated, but it's interesting how Kevin Owens has instantly become a baby face after the, the whole like Ezekiel thing. It's just like he, he got more over even from that. So it's just, he, he came across as just huge babyface star. Uh, if you were to watch this on at TV at home.
0: Yeah, and if you want to check out uh, afterwards, they did, I guess it was on Raw Talk, an interview that Kevin Patrick did with Kevin Owens, which was pretty entertaining, especially the ending of it uh, with uh, the two playing off of one another. Owens uh, gets attacked by Otis, but then he moves out of the way. So Otis runs his shoulder into the post and he takes Gable and... Sets up for an apron bomb. Again, Otis prevents this. And the crowd starts chanting Sammy. Uh, but Owens has this on lock. He's fine. Stunner to Otis. power bombs Gable on top of Otis. And Owens gets the big pop. And the camera stayed on Owens for a long time. As he's just soaking up this crowd reaction. And I think sometimes it's just... Boom, you cut to the back, you move on from something like this. But this sustained focus on Owens, he just came across as such a big star in front of this huge crowd in his home country. And, you know, this was, this was the episode that to me was the, the antithesis of a Vince McMahon produced show where we're in these, in the home country of several of these performers and we're going to make Edge and Owens and Trish feel like national superstars. That was the goal of tonight's show, and they felt like it.
2: Honestly, you could instantly put KO in the giant babyface push right now, and people would totally get behind it. He's a character that obviously can tween and change, but after watching this, you're like, yeah, all right, we, you get over. But great reaction. You know, it must have felt uh, pretty good uh, for Kevin Owens. I mean, how how many years ago was it, John, when we saw him win the ROH title in a, in the Sweaty Teddy, That's and then he ran out ago. the door... He ran out the door and you were right there with the with the microphone to interview him, and he's like, "Yeah, interview me." Uh, great times. But I thought nice. it. I mean, the guy, the guy looked like he almost had a tear in his eye here. For uh, yes, and his unlike reactions. Go
0: Fight, see uh, this entire match uninterrupted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Judgment Day does a promo in the back. They're gonna keep beating everyone up. Balor says that Rhea's been beating up Dom so much he's starting to enjoy it. And Balor opens up his jacket stating, I keep Ray in my pocket because he's six one mine. And Rhea and Damien Priest chuckle like, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> priest then up? address. <laughs> yeah. Well, priest addresses Edge. It's going to be his last homecoming. He's sending him back into retirement and he's going to turn the cheers into screams and he's going to meet his judgment day. Uh, then they updated us on the women's tag tournament. So SmackDown will have Natalia and Sonia Deville against Dana and Tamina, Nikki and Dewdrop and Shotzi and Zia Lee in the second chance fatal four way to take on Raquel and, uh, Aaliyah in the semifinal match. And the winners advance to Monday. Aaliyah versus Bailey. Uh, so Bailey did do a tag match on Saturday in Kingston, but this is her first match on TV since June of 2021. And we also had a former Ontario independent standout Hornet as the referee. So we had two Torontonians in this match. Shout out Hornet. Keeping score. Yes. Um, so Bailey's pose, like everyone's kind of got their pose when they enter the ring that they do. Bailey's sure. is just looking at the hard camera and she puts her thumbs down. That's the pose. Two thumbs down.
2: She's unhappy. I like it. It's simple. She's just miserable. She's still going for this, like, she's the Karen character, kind of like always miserable and angry, always wants to talk to the manager kind of thing. But now wears cargo pants and, and and cool hip clothes.
0: It started off, there was a hip toss and drop kick from Aaliyah, and then she rolled off the buckle into this uh, loose-looking head scissors. And after identifying theory with this description, uh, he called... The Young Buck, Aaliyah. So WWE's version of the
2: Young Bucks are Theory and Aaliyah. Wow. That would be a sweet – imagine that, the, the new Young Bucks, Austin Theory and Aaliyah, the, 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 the matches they could have because they're, they're elite.
0: Uh, Corey and Byron got into an argument during this match where Corey threatened to punch Byron in the throat. Byron says, I'd like to see you try. And one of them just goes, I've seen you wrestle which I guess I I don't know which one uh, dropped that line at the end. So there's double knees, to the midsection by Bailey, and then she points to the crowd like Trish, uh, and goes to the stratus faction, which Aaliyah stops, and we get the wheelbarrow into the bulldog spot that Aaliyah takes doing, doing her Trish spot. And Graves points out how exhausted Aaliyah is, not having much behind these right hands as she delivers a Thez press with punches. Aaliyah rolls for a single leg crab. Bailey grabs her by the hair and did something that was, the attempt was a monkey flip. What? happened I can't really tell you and then she hit the rose plant for the win in 633 this was pretty rough at spots i thought this was the weakest thing on the show and bailey bailey gets the win and uh, that was it so uh, w- one hometown performer losing but uh, i think on, on the whole they they kept yeah. the, the torontonian strong
2: the, the chick from the 6 couldn't uh, get it done yeah this is probably a low point of the the show for me i i didn't think the match hit maybe the way that they they thought it would but uh, Bailey kind of coming back with this like new crew with Dakota and EO. I think it's a really good idea. I think it works really well, but for a big first match, I guess Aaliyah wasn't the greatest base to like, I think you could have done maybe Bailey getting a more definitive win over her. Like she should have just beat her with the, the, the Bailey's faction, the, with the Stratus faction, uh, just to, just to rub it in, but instead kind of struggling in a rough looking match with Aaliyah. I don't think it did her big return all too well
0: styles and Lashley are walking in the back this is where we see Pierce we're security who are in riot gear by the door and it's Lashley and AJ teaming up against Miz and Chompa uh, they double teamed on Champa at the beginning and dude our section there must have been four different iterations of them chanting tiny balls I mean to hear these chants in in real yeah. life was just um man questioning life choices
2: you've never heard people chant tiny balls in public settings no, you're not going never. to the right places, John. Uh this, uh this also brings me to get pretty upset because we we went to RAW and we got super excited because we were gonna buy Wei Ting he, his baby. We were gonna buy him a wrestling, his first ever wrestling shirt, and we wanted it to be the Miz. I have giant balls, massive and balls. let let him. What is it? Massive balls. We were gonna make Wei open it in like fifteen to twenty years. But uh, they weren't selling it at the, the the stands, so unfortunately we could not get that. We'll have to make that a, a, a WWE shop order for the massive That's, a, that's a
0: lot of faith in a punchline that you're going to invest a lot. I mean,
2: I just gave money. it away, so I guess we'll have to go to the drawing board again. But uh, we should have got the the, the Edge Maple Leaf. Crossover shirt that was selling hot, like hot cakes last night. I, I'm sure they,
0: they sold a ton of those shirts. They, they did a co-branded shirt with Edge and the Maple Leafs that was going for like all their shirts are going for like 40 bucks. And I saw coming home, I saw a ton of kids wearing that shirt.
2: Yeah. They definitely made a, a killing on that. I know my buddy bought two because he's like, I'm probably going to sell one for three times the price in like three years but uh pretty cool to see them do crossover shirts like that i think what, having what were merch- the most
0: popular shirts you, you saw just like walking around i dude i saw dude, the bloodline they're making big yeah. on
2: merchandise yeah, that yeah. seems
0: to be the like i believe like the roman reigns on this show would have been this place would have just gone insane
2: i'll tell you uh like just living in toronto downtown i do see a lot of like Elite shirts and stuff like that. But last night throughout the city, um, everyone was wearing Bloodline shirts. I saw a ton of KO. Kevin Owens' new shirt is like a remix of his old uh, Yeah, they, they were one. selling that they, at the show. Yeah, everyone was wearing that one. We saw a few people at the bar wearing that one. But the Bloodline one seems to be the the, the popular one. And they were selling it, of course. And the dude isn't even uh, on the show. But uh, I, I would say that one is the, the big seller. But by the end of the night, they were sold out of the... Edge Maple Leaf one. So if you're a Leafs fan and an Edge fan, I'm sure you could find one for a lot more money on eBay, uh, probably by today.
0: Lastly, a uh, military pressed Champa onto Miz on the floor, setting up the commercial. And uh, we come back and they've got the advantage on AJ, and this lasted forever. Corey made a wish that he never has to come back to Toronto. Lashley finally gets the tag. He hits the Lashley effect. And then Chompa rolls out, avoiding the spear. This crowd, Bobby Lashley, was very popular. They were chanting for him. Miz pulls Chompa to the floor, avoiding another spear. And as Lashley deals with Miz, he climbs back into the ring and is caught with Willow's Bell for a two-count in... Then from there, he spears Champa, but Miz again making a save. AJ takes out Miz on the floor, and then this guy grabs AJ from behind. And this person was never identified. It was not someone recognizable, but it was a plot for... Security to go take this guy and then Miz is on the other side and suddenly this security guard stands up, removes his helmet, and it's Dexter Loomis who applies a choke to Miz and removes him from the arena into the concourse and... For all we know, Miz has just been taken hostage, and we find out next week what happened to him. But this was literally a DQ via kidnapping at 1337, as Miz and Choppa technically get a win, and we get no update on Miz. Like, there was no, hey, security rescued Miz. Uh Loomis has taken Miz away.
2: Yeah, where did he take him? Like, for a whole week, he's going to be in his captivity? Like, how That's... is he going to cross the back the borders with the Miz? I's going to be in his trunk like is he, he is he murdering him? We don't know is he that's I love a good I love a good kidnapping story in my wrestling show, so I, I definitely was the crowd were scared. Some of these kids were like, "What's going on? Who is this giant, scary man kidnapping the Miz? Uh, you almost feel bad for the Miz almost.
0: Ciampa just continues to fight, and he's hit with a phenomenal forearm and spear. And Corey Graves is the only one with concern about the Miz. And we just move on. It's just, well, he's uh, yeah. Miz will take care of things. I guess
2: his massive balls won't save him now.
0: Then this was my highlight of the show and it wasn't the segment, rather the circumstances around it. Um, after this match, Davey and Braden decide it is time to go refill and they leave their seats and I'm sitting there. And then all of a sudden Johnny Gargano's music plays and you guys, <laughs> w- where were you as this played and what was the okay. reaction? Was there a monitor? Did you at least see it? Or okay. Did you okay. Hear the music?
2: Earlier in the night, we went to get a, get a drink and Davey went to the washroom. So I'm like chilling in the concourse area. But I heard them playing like DX music, so I made a joke out Yeah, they out do loud, this like, thing
0: called the, – they do the DX yeah. cam,
2: and it's just like
0: like the fan cam, and they just go to people yeah. in the
2: arena to do
0: crotch chops. It was the most cringy
2: thing. It's really weird. You were almost expecting them to want people to do the, the tops off thing. But I heard the DX music, and I was like, oh, I guess DX is here. So I like wandered over while I was waiting and peeked my head through the curtain and kind of was watching. And then fast forward to when we go to the the bathroom again, Davey's in there and I'm waiting in the concourse, but there was like a little bit of a a line and he, I knew he was going in. So I stood like near the, 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 the area where I'm still like watching the show and I'm not looking at the thing, but Johnny Gargano rebel heart, the music hits. And I like, take a second. I'm like, wait, am I getting, is this like the DX cam again? Why are they playing this song? And I look up, and I start
1: screaming.
2: <laughs> and one of the, the the one of this woman who was like security starts like looking at me like like I'm screaming bloody murder. A few guys around me start realizing what why I'm screaming. So then Johnny comes out and I run back to the washroom like, Davy, Davy. And he comes running out like, Oh my God. So then we run to our section. By the time we get to our seats, I look up at you and I'm like, Oh my God. And that's when you took this picture oh, my get favorite to our photo seats,
0: i've ever taken of you brayden it's Not so to say there funny many of them <laughs> but this was it was like the greatest <laughs> expression on your face because <gasps> i i was laughing at the fact <gasps> that this was happening and the seats are empty next to me because i was envisioning you two reacting to this and then your face we were singing was, the
2: song while we're walking through oh the God. thing to get to our seats like, i saw you guys pop back and you take a look to confirm
0: yeah. it's him. Yeah, and then yeah. you guys come up the steps and your face oh. it was just it was priceless. It was, it was priceless. Easily, to look your face. It was
2: easily my my favorite raw moment I've ever had like been to. Of course, of course, us being the biggest Johnny Gargano marks. Basically, we've been following him with Up Next and NXT for years. We love this guy. Johnny Gargano. Personalized
0: uh, videos that he sent you
2: guys. Yeah, like he he's one of us, man. We we really love Johnny. So the fact that we were busy hitting our, uh, weed pen in the washroom while his music was hitting was pretty funny, but, uh, that was just the most BDE up next moment you could literally ask for, but we lost our mind and we were, we are so happy to see him come out here. I mean, I've been listening to rebel heart at least six times this morning already, but, uh, just what a, what a moment. And of course, of course we, this happened to us, you know what I mean? So great photo, go look, uh, the post wrestling, uh, instagram or twitter and all that stuff you'll see it <laughs> this this was one of my favorite brain moments that i've ever It had to be it had but to be so up much. there right but you uh, should was... have been there in the concourse when i was screaming and then also yelling david come back and then us like running uh, as we're singing the songs and everything oh man it was just a great great moment but uh great moment for johnny gargano because the crowd knew who he was it took a bit it took a bit for them to be like okay hold on a second what's going on and then i think by the time you started Cutting the promo, he had the crowd behind him.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, two weeks ago, they were in Cleveland. And I imagine that would be, you know, your best case scenario. But I would argue, like, coming out in front of 14,000 people that reacted to him in such a big way. He has had like not just the, the big takeover matches that he has had here, you know, the, the DIY match at the, the Survivor Series weekend, the Adam Cole one, but even before that, like this guy was a regular coming up here for Smash Wrestling. Smash like, Wrestling. Like he has a lot of ties here in Toronto and this crowd, <laughs> like done. they all knew him and it felt like a big deal. So I, do, I thought like this is, this is a pretty good atmosphere to bring him back in. And so he comes out very strong response and he says that he thanks the fans for reminding him who he is as they're chanting his name and gives his backstories like I was kind of a big deal back in NXT. He lists off all the titles he won and he left and he was wondering if he wanted to continue to do this and he brings up. His child, baby wrestling, which leads to a baby wrestling chant in the arena. And that Johnny had dreams of becoming an IC champion, a U.S. champion, a WWE champion, and and wrestling at WrestleMania. And what type of father would I be if I didn't teach my son that your biggest dreams can come true? You never fail if you bet on yourself. And that's what I'm doing here in Toronto. I'm betting on myself, and I am back in WWE. So that prompts Theory to come out and chants of who's your daddy gargano he says it was like what have you been up to and gargano i could not hear this in the moment but he notes i've been changing a lot of diapers and i've watched a lot of bluey which i don't know if bluey means anything to you brayden but this is the greatest kid show it's my favorite of all the shows that max watches bluey is my favorite and the fact that johnny gargano mentioned bluey i did not pick up on until i rewatched this this morning but i thought he said blue chew no, no, this is the furthest thing from from Blue Chew. Gotcha. Theory says that all of your dreams, I've pretty much done all of them and says he couldn't have done it without Gargano, but now I'm the veteran and you're the rookie. So maybe you could carry my bags or even my briefcase for when I become the new universal champion and I can show you the way or perhaps you can just go away. So Johnny is saying, you know what? For old time's sake, let's do the high five and Theory gets into it. Hit me with it, Johnny. And Johnny, super kicks theory. Great end to the segment. The crowd went nuts for this. And I I thought this came off really well. Like, it was a big surprise for everybody in the building. I think it's, you know, for, for WWE, it's a guy that had left. And, you know, this is someone that waited things out and could not have predicted where things would be. And this is a much different environment for him coming back where he feels like he's going to be a pushed commodity on the main show. And my last thing... That I kind of liked about this and this might not be a habit that you can curb because it's really ingrained in people like you get that drop in the third hour. But putting this in the third hour, it is slowly telling people that, hey, surprises can happen. And in the third hour, like if you tuned out like normal, you missed this uh, as well. So I kind of like the placement, even though like the third hour, sometimes it's not the most advantageous position to put something big. But overall, I I thought this was a very strong segment and something newsworthy coming out of Raw.
2: Yeah, I mean, what a great place for him to, to debut. He meant, he made reference of the fact that he won the tag titles against, uh, the FTR in the, in the match. So, like, he's saying, I- you know me here. The crowd responded really well to that. I thought they made him look like a superstar. And it's, it is interesting that they would choose Toronto, not Cleveland. I know AEW is going to Cleveland, like, this week, so that kind of... I mean, they might that- have
0: just not had a deal by then, Braden.
2: Like, yeah, this is also a thing, yeah. I mean, his, his return video tweet that they put out already has over a million views on their WWE Twitter. So, I mean, like, a lot of people did check this out when they kind of saw that this surprise happened. But ha- this is the Triple H thing where just all these new changes, people are coming back and people are showing up. Part of me did think Johnny was was being WWE he was staying because on his last matches when they let him use Rebel Heart again and you wouldn't just pr- repurchase that music. So we did always think that he would be coming back, but in hindsight, Johnny Gargano looks like he he's the smartest man going. You had all of Triple H's NXT kids jump ship and leave the house and go off to the the pasture for greener pastures, sorry. And here Johnny waiting it out, having a baby, and now gets to come back kind of like this 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 white knight sort of thing. So I hope that um, the, the the cream will rise to the, the top here with Gargano and, and showing that like he could be a, a pretty big star, I think, in WWE if they do go forward. But, I mean, him waiting it out and then being kind of brought back into WWE in a big spot like this, hopefully going forward. Uh, Maybe he'll take the briefcase from theory. Like he'll be in a prominent position. Hopefully. I just don't want to see him kind of job out down the line with uh, where they kind of put people. But with this, this whole new thing, like it kind of gives you like some hope that, all right, maybe where they go with this can work. And I think he's kind of in this great position. He, he definitely looks like a smart, you know, everyone was playing at checkers and he was playing chess the whole time. So uh, I am I'm excited to see where they go with Johnny Gargano. Also, I'm just a really big fan of him. And if you don't maybe don't know too much about him, you should definitely check out some of this stuff, because now I, I have to watch Raw. This guy is going to be wrestling on it uh, every week or be featured on it every week. So uh, I love this segment. Uh Shout out Johnny Gargano. This is the way.
0: Next week on the show, it'll be the face to face between Riddle and Rollins, the finals of the tag title tournament. And they're in Pittsburgh and Kurt Angle will be on the show. So it would seem that they are, you know, they're leaning on when they're in someone's hometown, bring someone on like for that added star power and sort of doing this, this formula. So we'll see what, what happens with Kurt next week. Maybe, maybe he will realize that the paternity test was incorrect. It was not Jason Jordan, but Chad Gable that was his son all those years. Wow. That would be, that would be great. And then time for the main event, Edge against Damian Priest. Uh So Damian Priest makes his entrance, and they had established last week it was just going to be Damian Priest out there. No Finn Balor or Rhea Ripley with him. Edge's music hits, and dude, this place went insane. There was a guy Ooh. next to me. He screamed so loud. My ear was ringing from how loud – and it wasn't Braden, by the way. It wasn't it was me, person, right? Yeah. No, it was a person on the other side of me. He was so loud. And – edge came out. Do you want to describe the, these tights? You were very impressed with these, these tights.
2: Oh yeah, dude. I mean, okay. Like the maple leaf shirt was cool. I didn't buy one, but like, I understand when I saw people wearing it, I was like, all right, that looks pretty cool. It's got the maple leaf colors. However, uh, if you're, if you're a true edge head, you might know that edge is actually uh, a turncoat when it comes to Toronto and hockey, because edge does not support the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is a New Jersey Devils fan, but uh thankfully he wasn't wearing New Jersey Devil inspired gear. He was wearing Calgary I mean he was wearing Hit- red and white which uh They I mean. kinda were yeah true now that you put that in there. He was wearing Calgary Hitmen inspired yeah. gear. So he had like old versions of his like T shirts and gear mixed into like Hitman, which is like Bret Hart's hockey team, which like the, the mask and was. everything like that. I don't that. think he's involved yeah. any anymore in it. But what, what uh, part least, of
0: like the, the founding like ownership group? Yeah.
2: I will say I do have a Hitman jersey and I think Davey got it. Like I still I still links Bret Hart's website, still sells them. Okay. So, I mean, maybe he still is. But, I mean, this was like designed into his gear. I almost wish this was a jersey or this was a T-shirt because this this gear looked Pretty sweet. Uh, shout out to any uh, edge always usually is, is pretty good in the gear department, but for a big hometown thing, this was pretty cool with the Canadian gear and his denim, the denim vest or his denim jacket thing that he had on the back of it. Like very, very Canadian, but uh, the place lost their GD mind when Alter bridge hit. Cause uh, we were singing along, weren't we, John, you were singing with me and Davey, all the lyrics. You were screaming, John, <laughs> give it to me into my
0: ear which out of context sounds uh (laughs) odd
2: edge uh, you you know me yes
0: edge outsmarts him at the beginning priest going for a leapfrog and he gets shoved down and they, they pick things up and edge lifts up priest and power bombs him onto the barricade and he just slumps down into the timekeepers area so this was the first commercial and this was something very noticeable from the tv version both commercials it goes to break with one guy, like, dying, and we come back. So the last visual you have is Priest taking this power bomb into the timekeepers area. We come back, Priest is tightroping on the top rope and does this crazy flip off of the top. It's like what happened in the last three minutes that this man went from being power bombed onto a barricade and then you come back and it's just like it's um it's jarring where you go from one to the other. Now they do a good job of showing a replay of what happened during the break that changes the momentum, and this was Edge getting his back run into the post. So it continues here. Uh, Edge hits a spinning neck breaker and then lands a high cross to the floor. I'm going to bring this up here because only one time did they show a picture and picture of Beth Phoenix reacting. Being there in the building, you could – like we were facing where yeah, she was in that her. front row – Dude, she was the unsung hero of this match. Her reactions, like, you could see her hands coming up to her mouth. She's reacting when the razor's edge got hit during the table. Like, I was just thinking that... I could see the camera was not shooting her, and, like, you you don 't I, I thought it was a lost opportunity because she added so much drama to this, just based on her concern for her husband and watching him take all of these these big moves and I only saw one reaction uh, spot during this entire match that that it lasted but um, so Edge hits the high cross and Priest then dumps him on the apron and lifts up Edge and delivers a razor's edge, putting him through the desk, which for this guy with his neck problems, that's a that's a pretty intense bump to take. I don't care how confident you feel, but yeah. he goes through the desk and this set up the second commercial break. But again, You go to commercial where this guy with the extensive neck damage has just been put through a table. We come back from break as he's hitting a super Frankensteiner off the turnbuckle to Damian Priest. It's like... Dude, this has to be better paced. Like, the the go-to-commercial spot, I feel like you need to connect it to what we're coming back to. Because it's just too jarring. Like, I just watched this guy. I'm going to break. I'm like, is this guy going to get up? And we come back, he's doing a
2: Frankensteiner off the top. Yeah, someone in the chat saying that the American broadcast had picture-in-picture. Picture, but, I mean, I'm not sure if that's the case. I mean, the, the match, watching it live. The, USA, they,
0: they do use picture-in-picture yeah. picture more. Which, great. But, I mean... The yeah. Canadian
2: version, like, we don't get
0: picture in picture. So this is what I'm watching as, like, a viewer yeah. here. Um, and, and I, I would even argue, like, I, I, I do feel like you, like, that was a pretty major spot. And then to be coming back with this, uh, super Frankensteiner. So he hits that off the top and then gets caught with a roundhouse kick and Priest hits the unprettier for a two count. I thought that spot would get more reaction than it did in, in the building. Like it was fine. It was, yeah. I thought it was a great idea for, for a spot, but it, it wasn't like this audience like gasped or something or, or reacted in as big a way as, as you would think an unprettier match in a, a edge match would generate.
2: Yeah, like, uh, we definitely were like, Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. And a few people in our section were like, All right, we get it. But, uh, may- maybe not the big reaction he was kind of getting it for. I guess maybe Edge should have hit the move and that's the reaction would have gotten bigger, but
0: maybe, maybe. Yeah. So Edge recovers from that impaler DDT, and then this is where they show a replay of the Razor's Edge, and this is where they show Beth reacting uh, with the replay. Damien hits the Reckoning, but doesn't go for the cover. Instead, he sets up for Edge's own spear in the corner. He runs at Edge and is caught with South of Heaven that Edge hits. Edge goes for a sharpshooter, but Priest kicks him into Charles Robinson, and then Priest hits South of Heaven, goes to get a pair of chairs with the referee still down, but Edge avoids a concerto, yanks out Priest's legs from underneath him, drops Him on the chair, and Edge breaks off the piece of the chair, applying the crossface and sets up for another spear. But Edge now gets hit in the head with the piece of the chair from Priest. Edge kicks out big pop for the near fall, and Edge hits the Canadian destroyer and hits the spear to pin Damian Priest in 19 minutes and 38 seconds. As Jimmy Smith proclaims, it's 10 years in the making and redemption for Edge against Judgment Day. Um I thought on t v that this came across like it was a very good match on television, but I think like the commercials really take away a lot of the just momentum and I would say being in the building um I enjoyed this far more being yeah. in the building for it and seeing it without those interruptions, and it wasn't as jarring seeing some of these big moves commercial and then it's a one eighty from the momentum factor, but in the and You know, it it sounded heated on the show, but nothing like, like this crowd went insane for Edge, um, for the entrance, for his big spots, for the finish. Like this guy was head and shoulders, the top star on the show. And I would say the, the uninterrupted part live. I I was glad I got to see that and then compare it with the TV version.
2: Yeah. I, I did watch this back today. I thought it, I thought it was a really good match and a good main event for Rob, but I actually thought, in person, the match was way better. It had lots a lot of stuff during the the breaks and just a lot more story and the crowd were so behind edge I mean uh ten years ago when he wrestled Christian, it was his last match on Raw in Toronto and like all the time through like the the people did not forget and the fact that he could come out here, he was clearly holding back tears in his entrance. The crowd were losing their minds, and then not only did he get to have Beth there to kind of you know be there and part of this thing as well, but then Hitting a Canadian destroyer, probably the most Canadian destroyer ever. I mean, he's wearing those Bret Hart hitman tights, and then does the destroyer in Canada, in Toronto. He's never hit a destroyer before, and I thought it looked pretty good. So uh, that was that was a pretty sweet thing. The place, everyone jumped out of their seats when he hit that move. Uh, so that was good. But uh, I, I I thought this was good. I think Damian Priest kind of held his own and is great in this spot and did a great job of kind of making Edge look like this huge white knight in his hometown of Toronto, just getting the crazy big reaction. Uh, I I really enjoyed this main event. Uh, This was definitely my match of the night, but uh, great, great stuff. Uh, Edge just looking like a huge star. Wow. After the match, it ends with Edge
0: bringing the chairs in, and he's going to deliver a concerto, but this is when Rhea Ripley appears, gives him a low blow, and Balor appears, landing a coup de grace, and as they are continuing their attack, Beth Phoenix hops the guardrail, takes the chair from Balor, and she holds up the chair and is threatening to blast Ripley as Judgment Day backs off, and that's how the show ended, with Edge and Beth in the ring, and... Certainly teasing something down the road with with Beth getting getting involved either with Ripley or some mixed tag scenario, but a, a, a strong episode of Raw. I thought that the Edge Damian Priest match, the uh Finn Balor and Ziggler match, Gable and Owens was very good. The, the women's tag I, I enjoyed that too on the show. Like Miz and Champa and Lashley and AJ had like a shitty finish, but. You no, know, the re- the wrestling was very, very good on the show. I think that is one major takeaway. Is that I'm not I'm not saying they are like you know blowing the world standards away, but the the level of wrestling, um, especially on this show, like, it feels like significantly increased.
2: Uh, hey, I I don't watch a lot of Raw or SmackDown, but watching this show, this has to be one of the best Raws that I've ever attended. Like top to bottom, I had a ton of fun. I got to see some cool toronto cameos i got to see some pretty good wrestling you kind of mentioned it like all these matches that happened they were pretty entertaining i thought ko and shoosh put on a a little bit of a, a sleeper hit there tonight as well but being someone who grew up going to see edge wrestle for years and years and years kind of getting his big huge heroes welcome it was something pretty special for toronto wrestling fans so and on top, you got Johnny coming out. So honestly, probably my favorite RAW that I have attended, just because it, it hit on so many different things, and not just because I was there, but because of some of the stuff that happened. It, this definitely makes me go, okay, maybe I'll I'll have to check out RAW every week going forward because I'm seeing basically all these old NXT stars that I used to love to watch. So uh, thumbs up from me, honestly. Uh, this Triple H going forward thing, it could be still in the in the honeymoon phase, and that's why I'm super like just impressed with everything but really enjoyed the show top to bottom and I thought they did a hell of a job so uh shout out everyone who involved and a
0: strong argument about booking your your hometown talent very strong instead of uh all the heat all that heat that they could have got if they beat edge in his hometown um and then yeah. <laughs> maybe one of the more um newsworthy aspects of this was that after after the show ended edge addressed the crowd he was I mean, this man was on cloud nine. I think he felt he had a great performance. Crying. He was so, th- like, he was getting choked up. He was thankful of all the people that had come to the arena tonight, coming out of a pandemic, Uh and mentioned, you know, making his debut in 1992 at Monarch Park and losing nine years of his career and coming back. And then the big thing he noted is that, WWE typically comes to Toronto every August and in a perfect world, I'd be here next August. And that's when we all say goodbye. So indicating potentially retiring next summer. So that was uh, pretty notable just to, that that's in his head. The idea of winding things down over the next year. We'll see if that happens or not, but that's sort of um, the, the picture he painted.
2: Yeah. So one more year of edge wrestling, and then he kind of calls it quits, uh, and is, does he mean like he, they're going to come back next August? Does that mean SummerSlam in Toronto? Does that mean a big Raw event like this? Uh, I do think if he were to want to go out on his own terms and have his actual last match in Toronto, something like this that they did tonight would have been a perfect kind of scenario if they could do that again. I would say Edge's last match should be against John Cena. In Toronto is something I would book, especially if it was the SummerSlam match. But he did not say Summer, SummerSlam. He just said next August is when he's kind of wrapping up his career and wants to do it here. So uh, that, that's pretty cool if they, if they were to do some sort of big show and big angle for that. But another year of edge. So lots of matches to get to still within that year.
0: All right. Before we wind, up, wind down, a few pieces of feedback. So uh, we get a super chat from Birdie. Loomis needed a model. For his art. So there you go. Thanks. Oh, he's saying he
2: kidnapped the Miz because he's going to start drawing him and painting him. Yeah, that that could be some dreadful stuff uh, if they continue (laughs) that direction. Jake
0: uh, writes, they should have given you guys press credentials. I didn't didn't ask
2: for them. So just wanted to go. Yeah. Can you uh, hook us up, Jake? Jake, can you uh, get us some press passes?
0: All right. Let's go to uh, forum.postwrestling.com. Muggin writes, best Raw of the year? Possibly. Uh, surprises hit harder when they're kept under wraps. It may have been a foregone conclusion, but Johnny Gargano returning was a hell of a surprise. Theory being his first feud makes sense given their NXT history. In a meta sense, it also represents two distinct visions of WWE. Uh, Dakota Kai and Io versus Alexa and Asuka was solid. Kevin Owens is now the best version of himself. Him and Gable put on a good match. It's very cool to see him play the conquering hero. Bookending the episode with Trish and Beth Phoenix with another what was another example of putting women's wrestling front and center and edge is 48 and he pulled off a canadian destroyer in toronto imagine that from benjamin um anything you want to say there britain
2: i mean no the the destroyer at 48 years old in toronto pretty cool
0: Benjamin writes, uh, it's amazing how a few simple changes have made these shows infinitely more watchable, looser commentary, promos feel looser, fewer screwy finishes. I don't know about the finishes like they, they seem like there's still quite a lot of, you know, finishes that, yes, you get someone pinned, but through like they're not doing, I would say, like, you know, clean finishes uh, across the board. But I understand the the meaning here. Uh, broader matchups, matches getting more time and more fluid camera work and transitions between segments. Uh, I'm enjoying this Ziggler reclamation project, even though he's taking L's. He his his less insipid in he is less insipid in promos and having banger matches. And another talent reclamation, Kevin Owens, getting his old entrance video and gear. He had another seemingly impromptu banger of a match and ends here noting uh Johnny wrestling, solid promo into a program with theory. Austin theory is in a meaningful storyline. Now, not some wash of a feud that diminishes titles and not some creepy ass mentorship storyline. Loved it. Hot crowd. Cool. Shit says Benjamin. Uh, Do you like that direction with theory and Gargano is this first
2: program? Yeah. I mean, theory has been kind of doing this thing where he's the briefcase holder, but he loses a lot of the time and stuff. Uh, I joked earlier that, hey, why not, if Triple H is running things, th- the way things are going, it looks like Gargano could beat Theory for the briefcase and cash in uh, down the line. That's probably my my dream scenario. But uh, I think Gargano should kind of beat Theory, maybe work his way around those kind of mid-card uh, titles that he kind of referenced, like the IC or the U.S. title. He wants to be like a, a Triple Crown winner or whatever, but uh yeah that's that's a good first feud and i think some of the matches could be pretty good
0: pj asks were were they expecting such a big pop for johnny it was quite ballsy to send him like that did he get a bigger pop than edge he didn't get a bigger yeah no no edge edge was the most popular on on this entire show but gargano got a very strong reaction and i i didn't think it was very, very ballsy to put him out in in toronto
2: it's, it's actually interesting. When Johnny's music hits, you can hear people like freaking out, but it wasn't everyone. And then when he comes out, people are like, okay, okay. And then you, you kind of see people telling their friends like, Hey, this guy's pretty cool. Or hey, you should, you, we like this guy. And then as soon as he started talking, that's when I thought the crowd really like was crescendoing and getting the Johnny wrestling chance and, and the baby wrestling chance. And you could see it was, it was, it was pretty loud. And I mean, like, I'm, it was, it was not, no one was talking about how this could have happened tonight. So it was a pretty like, Good hiding. I bet he was just hidden all day, or a private private jet to uh, Toronto for this kind of just return here. But I I really liked it. The pop was really loud for that for that thing. You could tell he, he he
0: liked that. Okay, two more here. Nas writes, Best Raw I've seen in years and years. Watched the whole three hours for the first time in a long time. Banger matches. The Raw roster looks stacked with both men and the women. If I'm nitpicking, I thought the opening promo segment wasn't the best use of Trish Stratus. It felt a little awkward. Should have just gone straight to the match and used Trish differently. Also, Finn Balor maybe does need a script or a writer working with him. 6-1 Mine and... That was the point he was trying to make to Dolph. Didn't make sense at all. Question. How does Kevin Owens refusal to go to Saudi Arabia, which I fully support, affect his push for a world title run? Do you think at all, Britain? Do you think that that is, uh, presuming that is still his, uh, his stance on these
2: Saudi yeah. Arabia shows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he, he can still be the guy, but I, maybe that will affect down the line of how they want to send over their their champions or whatever like that but i mean it speaks for itself the guy is having a hell of a a run right now because of the coming off the stone cold thing and the ezekiel thing making that all work like every time he comes out he seems like a big deal so maybe they would have to kind of let that or maybe just respect his his views his wishes
0: her niece from new york city is our last word of the night might be the best raw i've personally seen in years i've been on and off watching the last five years crowd was hot johnny wrestling is back prize fighter owens is back with the tape shirt yeah. Dexter just committed dexter just committed a crime on live television wonder who the other guy was a random from nxt also will we make this a weekly thing just kidnap a wrestler each week man does bobby continue to get loud reactions great to see do we see a a four mix tag or six mix tag with Beth coming in at clash at the castle. Um, okay. So I think okay. he's suggesting either edge and Beth teaming against, um, a pairing with Rhea Ripley or the two of them getting a third person, uh, to incorporate all of judgment day. I yeah. guess
2: it's possible. Um, Ray Mysterio.
0: yeah, Ray would be the automatic, uh, assumption there, which I guess you could set that up next week to go into like next week's to go home show for a clash at the castle. And you could set that up next week of Beth and edge come out to start the show. They're uh, accompanied by judgment day interrupts. And then we get the the math line. Hey, it's three on two
2: and Trish Stratus isn't going to join them. So instead the numbers are equaled out with Ray. I just need it. It doesn't matter how we get there, but the eventual end game of this whole thing I've been talking on uh, up next for weeks is I want a resurgence of the LWO and I want to see the unthinkable happen. Ray Mysterio turning heel, becoming a filthy animal again, and sending Dominic to a place that we all know he needs to go, and that is NXT. That's what I want to see, but I just don't think uh, that's going to happen with the Judgment Day kind of being the the top heel faction. But Edge, Ray, and Beth versus the Judgment Day sounds like a pretty cool match uh, if they were to to do that as well. But uh, yeah, uh, no Ray Mysterio. I was I was missing Dominic on this show.
0: Yeah, no, no Mysterios on the on the show either tonight. But yeah, it was. Um, I I thought a pretty strong episode of Raw. They had a great crowd, and you know, just business wise, they did a great, um, great number at the Bell Center on Friday. They had house shows in both Quebec and Ontario over the weekend, and then this I, I would have to look at where this ranks among the uh, the most attended Raws uh, of the year. Um, you know, this was this was a very strong uh, set of TVs for them in in Canada.
2: I re- Again, I re- was really high on this show. It had to be one of my favorite Raws. And it was three hours, which usually I'm like, ah. And we've nitpicked some of the stuff we didn't like, but enjoyable show. And I even liked it enough to kind of watch some of the stuff back, which is super unusual for me. So, yeah. You know what we didn't
0: mention? Like, we got there right as the first match was ending for main event. But we did get to see uh, Mustafa Ali teaming with Cedric. Against Shelton and t bar, yeah, and they had a really nice match, like they had yeah. I would say like six seven minutes, but it
2: was like it was a good match, honestly, there was some great stuff in 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 there I mean all the 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 two o five remnants he's just turned that into having his cool little matches on on main event and superstars and stuff, but yeah we we got into that match for sure, and it was a great. I love Shelton too,
0: yeah, worth checking that match out on on main
2: event this week okay, I will say. Gonna... I, I will say to sorry to interrupt, I did see some uh, some other wrestling this week because I, I this was the third wrestling show I went to this week because demand Lucha had a show in Toronto on Thursday with a bunch of uh, g c w imports and and a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, indie guys as well. Effie versus gringo was pretty awesome uh, and then also on Sunday, we went to super kicked, which put on. House of Black from AEW mm-hmm. and uh they were pretty awesome to see pretty live and up close and, and and wrestling team super kicked at that show as well. So any Toronto GTA area people check out these shows going forward. They're going to be doing a lot more, but House of Black uh were awesome to kind of see uh live and in person but this is this was a cool return to wrestling for me this week seeing raw at the acc the scotia bank center because AEW's is coming here in a few months and coca-cola the venue they're going to is much smaller but doing two nights in a row i think they could sell that out and make it just as loud and just as fun as uh wwe did just yesterday
0: I'm expecting those shows will be will be full for for the two nights. I don't think there's yeah, it's going to be hard to get that.
2: tickets. I, I think, yeah, tickets are going on sale this week for Toronto people. And uh, we're pretty excited and friendly reminder to follow up next and post for all socials because we will be having some some parties uh, coming for that week here. in the yeah, 6. we're
0: working out some stuff for that week. AEW's here in town. So yeah, uh, keep, keep it locked to uh, post wrestling and up next for updates yeah. on that front. Uh, but one final plug tonight up next they will be live, 10.05 p.m. Eastern Time, twitch.tv slash Podcast. Braden and Davey are going to be going through tonight's show that features the lights-out match between Wendy Chu and Tiffany Stratton. And also announced for tonight is Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs defending the NXT UK tag titles against Gallus and Cameron Grimes oh. against Javier Bernal.
2: Fucking Gallus. Dallas made their way. Yeah, pour one out for NXT UK and uh, look forward to the Worlds Collide where we get some some dream crossover matchups. Uh, but again, follow all, all our socials for all the upda- updates. Up next is every Tuesday night where we talk about NXT. We do BD Elite 2 chatting about Dynamite. We do so many different shows. John, we did a Heat Wave retro review that inspired you to go watch Heat Wave. 98. And I mean, that's, that's all the people need to know is to go check out some of our podcasts that we do.
0: Well, go check out all of their work. And thanks to everyone that joined us live. I know this was a different time for Rewind to Raw, but I was uh, very happy with all the people that uh, checked out the show live. And yes, up next tonight, Rewind to Dynamite on Wednesday night, minutes after Dynamite, myself and Bruce Lord will have a review of the show from Cleveland. So that's going to wrap everything up. Thanks to for Brayden joining me and all of you listening. That concludes... Rewind to Raw